Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy, along with my co-host of the podcast, my partner in life, and my wife, Rachel Campos. Duffy, hey, Rachel. Hey, Sean, it's great to be back at the kitchen table. We're already arguing about some of our topics, so you have to stick with us here. We have Abita, our daughter, with us. She wrote a great article. We're going to talk about this article because if you've been following Hollywood, you would, you'll know that Killers of the Flower Moon, this big Martin Scorsese movie, came out. Um, it's starring Leonardo DiCaprio and a, a tribe in Oklahoma that, you know, had, you know the story, Sean, oil and all kinds of... This is the story about, you know white men, you know, killing Native Americans. A true story. But Evita tells a different part of the story, which is the government control, the, the, the government control that prohibits them from getting their oil and making money. We're going to get to that. That's, that's our third yeah. topic. Our Federal second... government still oppressing the Native Americans. Good story, Evita. You must stick around for that one. That is very good. We're going to talk about Matt Walsh. I uh, had a tweet uh, on a video about people in coach leaning their seats back. A lot of opinions online, but also... This is between us. Yeah, uh, so we don't agree on this one, so we're, we're going to talk about that etiquette. But first, we're going to talk about we're talking about King Charles. Charles, um, because Evita, you know that the royal family has a a Twitter site, oh. a Twitter handle. It's called the Royal Family, and recently the King Charles. I keep wanting to say Prince Charles. I remember he was a prince for so long, but he is the king. He went to Kenya, and the royal family Twitter site posted a picture of him and queen or queen consort Camilla relaxing on their private chat, which is, of course, ironic because King Charles has, I mean, he flies around everywhere giving speeches around, about climate change and um, is really at the epicenter of the entire Great Reset, which is limiting flights. If you, before I, I bring you in, I just want to bring this up too. So he's, he's not just in trouble for this Kenya trip. He went to Paris uh, not long ago. You can get to Paris. It's only about 214 miles from London to Paris. And he could have taken the train and, and set an example of how to do it in this green, friendly way. Instead, he took a private jet, which, of course, is 100 times the carbon imprint of taking the train. And then while he was in France giving a speech on climate change, he also went to Bordeaux, which is very, you know, not very far. And again, also took a flight, um, a private, a, a private flight. And as you know, and Evita will break down a little further in France, they are the ones who are limiting 
short haul flights. So you can't even take a short haul flight. Uh, they're planning to eliminate any short haul flights, you know, from Paris to Bordeaux. You're going to have to take the train because that's the green friendly way to do this. Um, Evita, what's your take on this? How much backlash also is King, is King Chai? I mean, we find it outrageous. But is the rest of the world disgusted by this hypocrisy? Well, there were a, there were a few people calling him out online. I'm, I mean, we are all appalled that he would actually post a picture of him on his private plane and essentially bragging about his private plane. Um, but I think that part of why we're not seeing enough backlash, I mean, there should be massive backlash from this, is because people aren't even really aware, especially in America, of of the war on travel. Air travel specifically. So, like you said, in France, they have banned short haul domestic flights. So if you're, if, so for example, if I wanted, if to compare it to the U.S., if I wanted to take a, a flight from, from Madison or, or sorry, better, better yet, from Minneapolis to Chicago, not allowed. Those are too close together. So, so that, that wait, wait, if it has this already happened or are there plans in France oh, for so this to happen? It's in, already happened. This, in France, this has already happened. Short haul flights, yeah. domestic flights, gone. The UN is actually considering doing this with the, with the entire European Union. I'm sorry. The European Union is considering doing it for the entire, for all of Europe, right? They want to adopt this, this French model. Uh, I think that it is really limiting on, on regular people's air travel. Meanwhile, people like King Charles, who, like you pointed out, Mom, mm. is the poster boy for the Great Reset, can go and fly wherever they want on their private jets. The same goes for, for environmentalists like, uh, um, you know, at the C40CD's Climate Leadership Group, which is a globalist climate organization, including American cities, uh, in, and then also ones abroad, saying that they want to limit, uh, meat and dairy consumption by 2030. They want no meat and dairy consumption by 2030. Klaus Schwab, Michael Bloomberg, who runs C40 cities, those are people that are going to fly private jets. Uh, they're going to eat steak, mm-hmm. going to do whatever they want by 2030. But it's the rest of us regular people, the peasants, right? As, as uh, mm-hmm. King Charles probably views all of us, are the ones that are going to end up getting hurt. You know, what I find rich about, about the story is the fact that these rich elites who fly on private planes and eat steak, whether it's John Kerry, Al Gore, Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, Bloomberg, King uh, King Charles, that they've been able to sell the world or their home populations mm-hmm. that it's we got we have a climate crisis and you all need to stop driving you know the combustion cars with the combustion engine. You have to drive an EV. You should probably ride your bike. Or walk as opposed to taking a uh, a car or, or public transportation. You shouldn't actually fly in an airplane. And they have these droves of, especially young people, but people of all ages, buying into the climate craziness. All the while, the people that are pushing the agenda, but also funding the fake science around climate, they fly their own pri- private jets. And again, if you thought the world was ending because of climate change, you really believe that. You would say, well, my goodness, I, I, I have to go give a speech, but of course I'm going to fly commercial or of course I'm going to take the train from. Or how about zoom it in? Zoom it in. <laughs> and But again, it's, it's really remarkable that the masses have bought this yeah. bullshit <laughs> from these guys who don't play by the same rules. And what it shows is truly there'll be two standards. You will be stuck, you know, in the in the neighborhood or the town in which you're born as these guys get to fly around the world and do whatever they want, 
Um, and by the way, this is this is the communist system. This is the socialist system. You have a few at the top that have, and almost everyone else who has nothing, and they're fighting for that. Yeah. So can I just um, add some more context to that? Because, Dad, you're, you're right. You will be stuck in one place, uh, which is ideal, prime for socialism, right? And for authoritarianism, authoritarianism, really, because you can't leave anywhere. If you can't move anywhere, right, you don't have basic freedoms and you're easily surveilled and then therefore you're easily controlled. Th this is not a, a conspiracy from, from dad and I, right? This is actually happening. They don't just want to mandate electric vehicles. That's that's pretty obvious. The C40 Cities Climate Leadership Group, which we talked about before, but I'll just explain it again. Uh, yeah, do explain it. It's, it's almost 100 cities across the globe. 14 of them are American who who are have these goals for 2030 on how they're going to protect the environment, allegedly protect the environment. One of their goals is banning meat and dairy by 2030. Another one is banning privately owned vehicles, not electric, not, not gas powered vehicles, privately owned vehicles. Why would they do that? Right. Why would they do that if it was actually about the environment and electric, electric vehicles are great for the environment? This is about restricting freedom movement. The U.N., wants to mandate that airline companies switch to sustainable aviation fuels. Okay. Sustainable aviation fuels are wildly expensive and they're not scalable. So if we switch to sustainable aviation fuels, the airline companies will close, which means commercial flights will not be a thing anymore. So you can't drive anywhere and you can't fly anywhere. That means that you're mobile and you're stuck in one place. You're easily surveilled and therefore you're easily controlled. And you know what's been beautiful? I, I remember flying when I was, you know, young, you know, so that must have been mid, mid 70s. And, you know, not that many people could fly. It was expensive. And when you did fly, you know, we got all dressed up as little kids. I love that. Well, the way free markets have developed and there was some deregulation in the airlines, but air travel has become relatively cheap. I mean, you can fly to Europe for $500, $600, depending on the time of year that you go. Really? I yeah, think absolutely. it's like... Thirteen hundred dollars to get to Europe. Sure. No, That's more no, like no. no. <laughs> depending on, depending on when you go. I said, okay, you can. I okay, said you, you can. can. Okay, but yeah, you're right. It has democratized. It has come to the masses, and it's beautiful. You yeah. can travel. You can go see friends or family across the country or across the globe, and it's beautiful freedom for humanity. And they don't like that freedom. They want to take it away under the auspices of climate change, which is. Um, so the, we got to keep we got to keep calling this out. Yeah, we got to keep calling these hypocrites out. I will not take another lecture from King Charles or Bill Gates or George Soros or John Kerry. Uh, and, and we really got to get to the to the core of what this is really about. And again, I remember interviewing Mark Morano um, from Climate Depot, a big skeptic and sort of whistleblower of the faux fraud you know, big green climate change industry, and it is an industry, and there's a lot of grift involved. And I said, you know, you, we come to you all the time. There's all these stories of, of, of hypocrisy and, and, and waste and grift and control. What's, what, if you had to just synthesize it down, what's it really about? And he said, population control. He thinks it's population control at its, at its heart. And then this globalist control that you talk about, Evita, so often. And, and that's why they're censoring you. You've been telling these stories about 
um, their intentions and you, they, you know, big tech keeps censoring you, even though there's nothing false about what you're reporting, you're reporting their own words. Yeah, I've had two. I've had uh, a, a video on Instagram and a video on TikTok about the eco-fascism get censored. So they're they're definitely and also ju- just to also just to add the UN, which is a, a major push for for this eco-fascism, right? Have partnerships with all of the big tech companies to censor, suppress content that is critical of them and their environmentalists ultimately authoritarian goals. So that's why you're not allowed to talk about it on social media. The last point I'll make on this is there's there's three prongs of the Very. control. They need to control your food, control your energy, and then control your currency. And they're well on their way on, on energy. They're on their way on food. And they're working behind the scenes on currency. But if they control those th- three things, they control you. Um, and they, listen, they're, they're, it's not a secret. As Avita, you just mentioned, they're very open about what they're doing and you know, what kind to of a certain extent they want us to live in. Um, and it's incumbent upon us to fight back and push back on that. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Since the 1970s, working class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80 percent of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5000 percent. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. Now, air travel is also getting more... Testy. Testy is the right word. I want you to listen to this. This is uh, this this has gone viral. This is from... Uh, uh, someone posted this. Somebody took a video of a woman who was in, uh, you know, she's getting out of, at, at the end of a flight. She turns around and starts yelling at the lady behind her who has been kicking her seat the whole time because she had pushed her chair back. And she's mad because she says, this is my right. Listen to this. The whole trip, she pushed my seat. No, you seen it. No, she didn't. She put, no. I'm allowed to put my seat back. I'm allowed to put my seat back. I'm allowed to put my seat back. On this thing has gone viral. Everybody has an opinion on this, including Matt Walsh, who tweeted out, putting your seat back in coach is sociopath behavior. You've made it so the person behind you can't use their tray table and can't move their legs. Yes, you're, quote, allowed to do it, but you're an asshole if you do. Um, I'm kind of with the lady. It's her right to do it. She paid for the seat. The seat goes back. But boy, even you got mad at me when I said that I agreed that the lady had the right to do that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give you guys my philosophy. I've evolved on this issue. So when I- You're was, not a caveman. You're, um, you're evolving. So when I was 17, 18, maybe even up to 20, when I would fly, I had this position. I was like, that is my space. I bought that space and I'm going to lean my seat back and I'm going to own it, right? And I was very proud of that. 
And I would very confidently tell you that I put my seatbelt. But after I've aged a little bit and had to travel a little more, I'm like, that is the dumbest, uh, rudest thing to do. So probably in my mid-20s, I never put my seat back. I have enough respect for the person. So starting in your mid-20s, you yes. started to not put I your seat back. I did not put my seat back. And so I think it's rude to the people behind me, right? And I think when someone is in front of me and they lean their seat back into my space, and, and Walsh is right, they can barely open your, your, tray. your tray table. And at the angle, if you had a computer, you can't see the computer screen because the the screen will lean down towards your body, especially yeah. if maybe if you're smaller like you, it would work. But I'm six foot. I mean, you can't you can't see your computer screen. And so I've taken I don't I, I, I don't kick the seat in front of me. OK, I'm just gonna be really honest. I don't kick it. But if you want to lean your seat back into my space with my knees, I will put one knee, I'll lean in with one knee, and I will dig it right into the back of the seat. No, and you're a jerk. Well, you, and this is, like, why, I, this is why we got to sorry. Point. I think that's such I'm a jerky move, too. Goodness. Super passive-aggressive. Awful. No, it's aggressive. It's, 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 if you want my knee in your back in my space, that's fine. Or you could lift your damn seat up and be a polite human being so we could all travel um, in peace together. Avita, before you get up, I'm going to tell you, I... Sorry. This is not an issue for me because I don't think that the comfort level between upright and this like two inches back makes any difference in my comfort level. So I just don't push my seat back. I just don't do it. There's not enough. Here in a first class seat that lays, you know, way back. Okay, I get that. This only goes like two inches. So to me, it's not worth it. Also, I'm very short. So I just want the window seat so I can curl up and just lean up against the window and I don't bother anybody. If somebody leans their thing back, it doesn't bother me at all. Maybe for the reason that you said, it oh, does I, not I, bug me I, at all. Oh. And I felt like that woman, you know, defending right. her right to do that because she bought that airline ticket and the seat de is designed to go back. I think it's her right. Um, and the other woman should not have been poking, you know, kicking her seat the whole trip back. I get that. But Okay, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I have a caveat. If you if you do have a long trip or like you like fly over at, two hours, no, but like you to fly like at night or you did a red eye trip, they go out of your flying on a red mm -hmm. eye, leaving at midnight, and you get where you're going at like six in the morning, and everyone's gonna go to sleep, right? Everybody lays, everyone lays their seats back, and you're sleeping. Um, I'm okay with that, right? Okay. You shouldn't have to sit straight up. You can lean your everyone's leaning their seat backs. Everyone's oh, so many little rules. So if you're traveling longer right. distance, you can if. If you're over 25 and you're matured, you can't. If you, if you want to know, if you, I'll, listen, I'll give you advice. I'll give you, I'll give the recommendation of when it's appropriate or not appropriate. All right. Your seat back. What the, what the circumstances are, you can tweet me, DM me, whatever, and I'll let you know. Okay, Vita, what's your take? I am appalled that dad would put his knees on the seat. What? Me too. I, I, Thank you, honey. I raised you right. Thank you. Uh, so I, okay, I, I will admit I'm a smaller person. I never does it bother me when someone puts their seat back. It's like, okay, me either. when I sleep on a plane, I don't even need the seat back. I curl up into a ball and I put <laughs> on my knee and that's how I sleep. I'm fine with that. That even if I'm in a middle seat, I'm able to just curl up into a little ball. But I realize that bigger people can't do that. So at the Federalist, we were having this debate in our group chat and there are a few tall individuals, uh, Ooh. who are, but over six five, uh, who work with oh, that, that's hard. You know what? I don't have any knee space. So if somebody puts the seat back, that actually means that my knees are constantly going to be touching the edge. I can't use my my um my tray. tray. So okay, 
I get it. But at the same time, I think we're we're, we're directing our anger in the wrong direction, right? Because mm. the reason that these seats are so uncomfortable for everyone is the airlines who have who have yeah. created the worst situation for people who it's it's not. Oh, go ahead, Dad. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, finish, finish, finish that point. Finish that for sure. I'm I think digging. This. I think the airlines are 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 the ultimate bad guys here. They're pitting us against one one another. And and I also think they've created a situation where there is there is no politeness when you're flying. They they make it. Yeah. I mean, TSA really makes her take your shoes off. They treat you like you're a criminal mm-hmm. when you get through. Then you get on the plane. They're bussing you in like you're on public transit, even though you might have paid over three hundred dollars for a ticket. Um, and they, they treat you like crap. So to think that this is going to be a, a place where sure. polite society is able to thrive, I think is silly. The airlines and TSA have created an environment that is ripe for for disaster and anger and attitude. OK, so a little oh, I like that answer. I, I wish we could bring civility back yeah, to I, tra- air travel. I agree with civility. But here's the deal. The airlines have put as many seats on the plane as possible. And when they do that, they're trying to make as much money as possible, but they also want to be competitive, which means you could buy that ticket for $300, but that's a round trip ticket. And you, you, you flew to Miami for 300 bucks, 150 down and 150 back. That's a really cheap form of travel. And you do that because they lock us all in there like cattle, right? If you want to spend more money and fly at first class, you can have that experience. If you want to fly private, which I can't afford and you can't either, that's fine too. But if you want a cheap ticket, you, there's, some, there's some indignity about flying back in coach. Mm-hmm. But I'm willing to have that indignity with a, with a cheap ticket. I just don't want further indignation. <laughs> that's the wrong word. No, further indignity. Thank you, indignity. When the person is putting their seat back on me, don't do it. You know, I, I, think, I think you brought up a good point, um, Evita, and that is, you know, I, Sean and I are old enough to have seen the devolution of civility and just manners and dress code when you travel. Yeah. Um, it has, you know, it used to be that you had to go to Disney World or the mall to see people and like people watch like the worst, like inappropriate dress or Walmart at totally unflat or yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or or unflattering, you know, and and now the airline it used to be that you would dress up. And and this is why, like in schools, they have uniforms. You know, kids actually perform better in school, take school more seriously when they're in a uniform and they're and they're tidy and neat. And the same thing here. If when people would dress up to go to the airport and to travel, it was a special thing. And they had a little dignity about it. And that dignity sort of transferred from the way they dressed and carried themselves into the way they treated other people. They didn't just throw peanuts at you. They, they, you know, treated you like you were having a, you know, an experience getting from Chicago to Miami or whatever it was. And now it's just gotten so gross. And then again, we see this stratus, the stratus, uh, like, you know, there's first class and those people get to travel with dignity. And or or even the privates, right? Like like King Charles, and then the rest of us are treated like cattle. Um, and I just think it's really it's it's, it's really bad criminals too, because it feels like I'm getting processed. For yeah. every time I go to the airport. Yeah, and by the way, those people who fly private, they don't have TSA, they don't have any of the same stuff. Um, and, and during COVID, they were flying maskless 
and were caught flying maskless while they were lecturing why all the rest of us had to wear masks on our cattle, you know, drive airplane ride to wherever we were going. Um, there was nothing worse than the only thing. I don't, there's nothing worse. It was hell to travel during COVID with a mask um, and all the weird rules that made no sense. Anyway, uh, I, I'm I'm with the lady just because. But I, I have to say, I wish she hadn't melted down. And somebody else on uh, one of the comments said that they thought she was, you know, it was that time of the month for her. Four-year-olds kick seats. I know we, I have little siblings. I have to stop them. Yeah. Sometimes. They just naturally do it. That's what children yeah. do. Adults don't kick seats. That's just so good. Yeah, Sorry, I, I agree. I agree. I, just, I, I didn't kick any seat. I yeah, just you were kneeing the seat. It's the same thing. Back and forth. No, I, it's childish. I'm leaning forward. I'm, I'm putting my knee. It's childish. You deal with don't it. Be, just, people, don't be rude. Don't, okay, don't put your seat back. And maybe, maybe we don't put our seat backs. We don't take a shower and put on some clean clothes and go to the airport and fly so you don't smell with the people around you and then keep your seat up. And it's going to it's going to be a pleasant experience. I, I did have a flight once next to somebody who smelled and it was like I felt like I was going to throw up. It was oh, I was it was terrible. OK, we're going to move to this other topic, um, Evita, because you have an article coming out on the Federalist um, and it's sort of. The, the beginning point is this movie, which you saw, which I want to see. I'm so sorry about that. Sometimes My phone just went off. turn our phones off for you, the podcast. Sometimes I'm so sorry, honey. Rachel. Yeah, that's actually rude that I didn't turn my phone off. Um, so Killers of the Flower Moon, this is a movie, a Scorsese movie. Apparently, it's gorgeous, beautifully shot. Leonardo DiCaprio is amazing in it, I've been told. I have not seen it. You have, right, Evita? I've seen it. I will say, if anybody's thinking about seeing it, I loved it. My husband didn't. So, so take that information, you know, and do. What does that tell you about the movie? How how, how should people it's interpret very, that? It's a slow burn. I think it's a very it's a very long movie. Oh, I love a half hour like long, that. very slow. Um, lo- the cinematics are great. I thought the acting was great. But if you're an action packed like Die Hard, yeah, if you love Die Hard, <laughs> you might not love. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a it's a murder it's a murder drama. So there is definitely action, mm-hmm. but it's. It's not, it's not, mm. you know, a, a James Bond film. So I, my, my, my cousin and I, who was also a female, loved it. My husband, a male, did not. Yeah. And your cousin, Native American. Yes. She, she liked it too. Okay. So um, tell us briefly the premise of the movie and then this new angle on it that you're writing that you're writing about so this this story is and i don't so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give any spoilers about the movie i'm gonna just tell you the history that it's based true story right this is based on a true story so the osage nation is an oklahoma tribe they they were actually displaced from elsewhere in the country but bought land in oklahoma for their for their people to have a home and when they bought it they thought this was not this was not you know really great land for farming. It wasn't a particularly sought after piece of property. It turns out that actually it's oil rich. So after they had bought it, they struck black gold and the and bought it from the federal government or bought it like, for private. Right, so they had owners. bought it privately. They already had the land. Okay. And and they they then struck black gold and they had a relationship with with the federal government and the Bureau of Indian Affairs did not, in, on most reservations, the Bureau of Indian Affairs owns land in trust. In this case, the Bureau of Indian Affairs was able to maneuver a way to own, to have the minerals held in trust by the federal government, meaning that the tribe owns the land, 
but the oil underneath is held in trust by the federal government. So the tribe then, through the BIA, leased to oil companies and the individual members of the tribe received these amazing oil royalties um, and were actually became the richest people per capita in the world uh, in the early 1900s. Because the BIA and Congress had decided that full-blooded Osage Indians were incompetent and needed guardians to then uh, handle their, their vast wealth, they were, each one was assigned a white person in the area to, to manage their, their oil money. So they would give them the, their, their quarterly royalties and they would help them decide how much they could spend and on what. And because there was a guardianship in place for these Osages and just like any guardianship, a guardian can petition for their ward's uh, estate if that ward dies, the federal government created a situation where it became advantageous for the Indians to be systematically killed by the white guardians. And that is the premise Hmm. of the Scorsese film. So they were guardians managing each individual in uh, Native American because they were getting these, you know, residual checks from the from the from the exploration of the oil. And then these guardians were like, listen, we ca- if we kill these guys off, we actually get end up I get the money, the custodians of this and we get the money. Right. So it sort of had this perverse incentive of, of of this. OK. And so now the the chief of this tribe actually appeared. You want- we're going to fast forward to today, right? Right. So the chief of the tribe, the current chief of the tribe actually appeared in the movie. And you reached out to him, correct? So, yes. Yeah, so the, um, I believe the chief of the tribe is in the movie. His name is Standing Bear. I did, I did not interview Standing Bear. Um, I interviewed, uh, Everett Waller, who is the chairman of, of the, the mineral council. So they're in charge of, of actually the oil in, in Osage County. Um, and he's a native himself. He's a member of that tribe. And he was, a, he had a speaking role in the movie. And that what's happening okay. right now and what, and what he conveyed to me is that, the way the federal government infantilized and victimized his Osage ancestors continues on today. And because of environmental constrictions, because, uh, uh, and because of, uh, conservation restrictions and, and all of these different problems with the BIA, um, who is in charge of, of their, the tribe's ability to actually produce oil and gas, the tribe has essentially halt, the tribe has not been able to drill for oil since 2014. They're not able to, to actually used their land because of the way that the federal government has infringed on their rights and the tribe heavily resents that. And that is a part of the story, the current problem that the tribe is facing, that the corporate media and the leftists who love this story because it's a it's fundamentally a, a, a white guilt story, right? It's white men mm-hmm. killing off innocent Native Americans for money and, and wealth. Um, they can't actually tell the current story which has to do with American energy, energy independence with and with true tribal sovereignty, which is that they need to be completely separated from the federal government and the BIA if they're going to have uh, the kind of freedom that that, frankly, they deserve. Yeah. So just to talk about energy exploration, there, it still happens. Right. So if there's state land, states um, in oil rich areas, they're they're doing leases with oil companies and they're drilling or they're fracking. On private land, they're still drilling for oil and fracking for oil. The problem has become on federal land. Joe Biden in the green nuts have, in essence, said we're not going to sell any more leases and they're going to try to shut down uh, 
uh, drilling on federal lands. And most of the land in this country is owned by the federal government. So it's a huge problem. It goes to your point, Evita, that the federal government has the mineral rights or the oil rights over the land that's owned by the tribe. And if the tribe privately owned all of the rights, they would be going, listen, we're going we're going to manage this resource. We're going to you know, sell leases. We're going to take a profit off the oil that's drilled. And we're going to have great wealth at this tribe. But because the green nuts at the BIA and the Biden administration uh, are there, they're saying, listen, you're not going to be able to drill for oil. But Evita, can they actually have like windmills on their land? Yeah, this is this is a super interesting part of the story. So um, it, it's it's my understanding. This is what I what I got from from Chairman Waller is that all of Osage County was actually owned by the Osage tribe, and so all the minerals beneath Osage County um, belong to the tribe and are held in trust by the government because of 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 a law that's complicated, but it's it's called. Uh, oh, now I'm forgetting the name, but there, but there was allotment laws that essentially allowed for the transfer of property rights to non-tribal members, and this happened across the country. Um, so there are parts of Osage County that are owned by non non uh, non Osages, but the minerals beneath that property is still be- is still belongs to the tribe. So on private property, the city council of Osage County, unaffiliated with the tribe, approved a massive eight over 8,000 acre windmill farm, which if you know anything about windmills, they have a very negative, very negative impact on people's health and also on the environment. Um, And the tribe has heavily opposed this because the, the, the windmill farm did not seek approval from the BIA or from the tribe. And they used rock to actually build the base of these wind turbines, which means they used minerals that belong legally to the tribe. Uh, and also, there are the tribe mm-hmm. opposes it just on an environmental basis, and because it actually impedes on their ability to extract oil from the area. So it, it has become a massive, decade-long fight to get these illegal wind farms off of Osage land, particularly because this is oil-rich land. You can have green energy; that's fine. Why would you put giant windmills mm. push for green energy on land that is oil-rich? When we're especially when we're in the middle of an energy crisis. So the 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 Osage are right over the target on this. They've been fighting for this for a long time. The BIA, who's supposed to be the the Osage's advocate, has done hardly anything. They wrote some nasty letters to the council uh, and to the windmill farms. uh, And and they're currently litigating it right in in federal court. But the windmill farm is still up. And this giant Italian energy company that actually owns the windmill farm, is receiving massive tax credits from Oklahoma. So the longer they drag this out, the more tax credits they get. And so this Native American tribe, the Osage, could actually be helping America during this energy crisis when we're, we, we need to be, you know, we're on the verge potentially of a regional war in the Middle East where we could get an oil shock. And they want to be on the forefront of because they understand that energy doesn't just make their tribe more prosperous and independent and free from, you know, the 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 the, the federal government in a way that, you know, has it. It's so obvious across the, the country and all the reservations how the federal government has perpetuated cycles of poverty. Um, but put that aside, they also understand that energy policy uh, is national security policy, and they want to be helpful to help America um, with with energy independence and security. 
And our federal government and the hacks at the BIA who are supposed to be helping them and representing them and advocating for them are more beholden to big green and big government than they are to the interests of the Indian of the Native American tribes that they're supposed to be representing. This is an outrageous story that must and the eve of this film coming out, um, which shows the kind of abu- abuse and you're right, Evita, infantilization of Native tribes um, th- that has been systemic um, and perpetuated by our federal government continues today to the detriment of the country and the tribe. And it's, by the way, as well, it's liberal abuse. It's yeah. liberals that won't give them the power and the right to have self-determination, to manage their land the way they see fit. Um, and so again, but it's interesting that that liberals making movies won't tell that story. Um, but that really is the full story. You can you can write a lot of wrongs by giving power back to a tribe that has been abused over the course of the last 100, 130 years. Wouldn't that be nice? And wouldn't that be nice if that was part of the story? But it's not because that'd be an attack on liberals and Joe Biden. And well, and Leo, Leo yeah. DiCaprio is a big hypocritical, as hypocritical, by the way, as King Charles yeah. um, on the on the uh, green energy stuff. You know, he's always, you know, ta- he, apparently his new like child girlfriend that he has. He always has another, you know, 19 or 20 year old. He's how old now? He's in his upper 40s. He's, he only dates girls who are like, you know, barely out of their teens. And apparently they're together because they bonded over green, you know, the existential threat of, of, of you know, climate change. Um, but then he's on these giant mega yachts with these hot chicks all the time. And flying on private jets. And There's flying on private jets to get to the mega yachts. Um, too bad that Leo DiCaprio, who probably thinks he's so super sensitive and wokey because he did this movie, which is an important story to tell, is not going to tell the story about how we continue to oppress the Osage tribe um, through energy policies and Big Green and the grift. I can't believe that flipping wind farm is on their property. We know. Yeah. Excellent story. So if you want to read more about this, um, it's fascinating. It's on the federal list. It's not. um, You can check. But not yet. Not yet, but almost. Right. Hopefully it almost on. Hopefully by the end of today, when this drops, um, it'll be up and, and check out everything else that Evita's writing on. Great topics today. Evita, thank you for joining us. I am going to go out and see Killers of the Flower Moon. I love those slow burn uh, drama movies. So that's for me. We'll see. We'll, we'll see if Sean is interested or not. Probably won't. But uh, listen, Evita, could thank you for- great date night for us. It could be, but it could maybe go do something else. See Die Hard instead. Yes, go see Die Hard. Um, John Wick like that. All right, Evita, thank you for joining us. Good to see you. Good to see you, honey. Join the cabin. Uh, listen, and all of you, thank you for joining us at the kitchen table. Uh, we appreciate it. If you like our podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Please subscribe. Get a notice when we drop. We drop Wednesdays, Thursday, and Friday as Skippy's cheering me on. Brock in the background, if you can hear him. Yeah. Um, He's telling us it's time to go. He has to go out. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.